Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained. I am your host, Michael Menninger, certified financial planner and founder and owner of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. Um, what we're going to talk about today is one of the areas of financial planning, one of the six areas of financial planning is retirement planning. And when you look at retirement planning, retirement planning really takes on two phases. It's the accumulation of assets and then the distribution of assets. And one of the things that we do uh, when people approach us is the pinnacle is the point with which people are thinking about retirement. And the first question they ask is, will I have enough? Okay, well, what we're going to really be talking about today is more along the lines of the accumulation of assets, but more so, uh, what do people do with their 401k and their pensions as far as taking distributions, doing rollovers, um, do I take my pension, do I take it as a lump sum distribution? Uh, there's plenty of things I've heard many times over the years, I left my job, what do I do with my 401k? Or uh, they have in their mind there's a misnomer that they have to do something within 30 days, which is also a misnomer. I've seen 60 days. There's so much misinformation out there that you know what I'm here to do, obviously, uh, is to provide the public and the viewer with the real information, so to speak. So. Uh, here we go, strap on your boots. I'm not gonna talk as fast as I normally do. I say that until I get started talking. So uh, come join me, we're gonna talk about 401k distributions. So, what is a 401k? Well, a 401k is actually a subset of what's referred to as a defined contribution plan. So you got defined contribution plans and defined benefit plans. And 401k, basically, I think most people know what that is, is it's a retirement plan offered by their company where the individual will contribute to the 401k a percentage of their salary, and oftentimes a company will match it. Okay, and another thing about 401ks is they have what's referred to as a vesting schedule. Sometimes the vesting schedule may be, let's say for instance, it's over a five year period. So oftentimes it'll be a 20% for one year, 40% for two years, and 60, then 80, and then 100%. So what happens here is that if the company is matching, and let's just say whatever their match is, turns into being about $1,000 a year. So if they're contributing $1,000 per year as the company match, and you were to leave after two years, and you qualify for 40%, that means if the company put $2,000 in, and you only qualify for 40% because that's what your vesting schedule is, then when you leave, you take your 401k, but you only get 40% of what the company matches. Okay, one thing to certainly know is that your contributions will always be considered immediate and fully vested. So you'll never lose any of your money. Another concern that people have is, what if my company goes bankrupt? What's gonna happen to my 401k? Does it go down in the toilet as well? The answer is no. Okay, the answer is no because of the fact that it's protected by the Department of Labor. So those monies that are in the plan are protected. So 
something to consider. Now, if your company does go bankrupt, there are times where it'll get frozen for a while. And the reason why it gets frozen is because they have to recon you know, do all of the calculations as the company match been put in there and they have to make sure that you know, the 401k meets in the, all the rules. A lot of times it'll get frozen for six months to a year. I've even seen two years. But at the end of the day, once it's unfrozen, you can take your money out. Okay. Well, the other types of, um, uh, of retirement plans or defined contribution plans are 403Bs. Well, 403B and a 401K, for all intents and purposes, are the same thing. Okay. It just so happens that 403Bs are for nonprofit organizations, whereas 401Ks are for the for-profit. So the two basically have the same rules. You can contribute up to $19,500 in 2020, and the same goes for 2021, and $6,500 for uh, a catch-up contribution for a total of $26,000. The catch-up contribution is based upon if you have attained age 50, then you are allowed to do a catch-up contribution. The same also goes with a four. 03B, again with the nonprofit organization. 457s are another type of plan which are typically with the government. I don't see them very often, and oftentimes they're governmental contributions. The other types of plans are SEP IRAs, and a SEP IRA is the type of plan which is usually with small businesses where the business owner can contribute a percentage of the total amount of your income, up to 20%. And oftentimes, uh, sole proprietors will do a SEP IRA because it enables them to contribute up to 20% of their income. So if they're making $100,000 a year, well, heck, they can contribute up to 20%, which is $20,000. In fact, uh, you can contribute up to $56,000 uh, to a retirement plan. There's a 57. That's a moving target. I believe it's $57,000. And then a simple IRA is also a defined contribution plan. It operates a lot like a 401k, uh, except that it, the, the profit sharing is generally a 3% match. It's not a profit sharing, it's a match. Uh, the simple IRA is something that small businesses have a tendency to uh, go with those types of plans because they're uh, easier and cheaper, easier, simple, okay? Uh, they're easier to administer and they're less costly to the employer. So these are all different types of defined contribution plans that most people have at one time or another come across. What are defined contribution plans? I'm sorry, defined benefit plans. Defined benefit plans are pension plans, okay? Now, pension plans are kind of dinosaurs anymore. So what the pension plan is, um, you know, basically defines the benefit. And we're going to talk a little bit more later in this, in this program as to exactly how the defined benefit program works. Uh, but it's basically the, the, the old pension plans. And oh, by the way, pension plans, let me tell you something. They're, they're, they're becoming dinosaurs. Just a quick statistic for you. In 1995, if you took the top 100 companies in the United States, the 100 largest companies, 87 of them had a pension plan. Okay, that's a lot. Well, in the year 2000, only five years later, only 50 of the top 100 companies had pension plans. And in 2005, only 17. Why are they falling off the face of the earth? Well, pretty simple, is that people are living longer.
And with people living longer, what's happening is that companies do not have the ability to project how long are they going to have to pay these benefits for. Okay, and that's a concern for the company. Not only how long do they have to pay the benefit for, but there's a whole lot of rules behind it, which basically say that they have to have a certain amount of funding in the plan, and it's based on growth rates, and particularly in 2008, when the amount of money in the plan dropped precipitously because the markets went down so much, and all of a sudden, the companies had to overfund or put more into the pension plan at a time that they were doing really poorly financially, so it just created more of a problem, and from there, pension plans really have dropped off. So, I'd like to take a peek at the taxation of retirement assets. There are, uh, the way these, all of these plans work, the pension plans, the 401k, and all the de defined uh, contribution plans, are, I like to talk about my four buckets. In the eyes of the IRS, the IRS taxes your money, or at least they view your money on three time horizons. Money going into the plan, as you go, and then when you take the money out. And I'm gonna focus only on the first and even potentially the last bucket because they've become part of retirement plans as well. Is if you were in a 401k, and now it's referred to as the traditional 401k or the traditional 403b, but also SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, and 457, is that you're making a contribution that's pre-tax. Now, what does that mean? Well, simple math. If you make $100,000 and you contribute 10% of your salary to a 401k, what happens is that you're getting a tax deduction, which means at the end of the year, you'll get a W-2 that says you made $90,000. So what happens with that $10,000 is that it may grow to 15 and to 20 and to 50 and 100 and to 300 to $500,000 over time. Are you paying taxes on it as it grows? No. But what happens is that when you take the money out, it's considered to be taxable income. So in the case of the pension, you're making contributions to the pension plan, let's say for a lot of pensions you pay into. There are other pensions, let's say for the Fortune 500 companies, believe me when I tell you, they're making a contribution to the pension plan, they're taking a tax deduction for it. So they're getting a tax deduction, so when you receive a pension in retirement, it's taxable income. So if you have a $40,000 a year pension or a $3,000 a month pension, Believe me when I tell you, you're posting every dollar on your tax return, okay? Meanwhile, more recently, they've added the, the Roth 401k. And so the Roth 401k enables you to make that same contribution, except that it's not tax deductible. So same person, if they're making 100,000 and they contribute 10% or 10,000 to their Roth 401k, their W-2 is still going to say 100000 because they're not getting that tax deduction. However, that grows tax-deferred, and when you take the money out, it comes out tax-free. Very important concept to know is, number one, when the company is matching, a lot of people are concerned, there's a misnomer here, is when you're contributing to the Roth 401k in lieu of the traditional 401k, the company will still match it. Okay. However, because of the fact that you could bet bottom dollar that the company is getting a tax deduction, then the company's contribution is actually falling into that first bucket on the left, which means that if you put in $10,000 and the company put in $3,000 and you have a total of $13,000 in your plan, 
If you roll it over or you take the plan money out, well, your $10,000 is tax-free, but the $3,000 is just like a traditional 401k and is subject to taxation later. So what happens if you want to distribute money from your 401k? Well, first of all, under what circumstances can you um, distribute money from your 401k? Well, you have to have left your employer or in some cases they offer in-service distributions. Now, that's uncommon, but sometimes some plans will allow you to roll money out of your plan even if you still work there. And usually that occurs only if you've attained age 59 and a half or age 65, but it must be in the plan document. The, the, the particular company 401k or retirement plan must allow for it. But otherwise, the only way to get money out of your 401k in most cases is you have to terminate employment. Now, termination can be, of course, voluntarily or involuntary, but the fact of it is you have to have left the company. So it's at that time that you now have the ability to roll over your 401k or roll it out of the plan. And if you roll money out of the plan, then you have four basic options. Option number one is you could take it as cash. And by the way, I kind of put it in the order of worst to best. So the first option is you can take the money out of the plan as cash. Okay, not a good option. The second one is that you could just move the money or leave it in the plan. I mean, you could leave it in the plan. The third option is that you could take the money, move it into your new company retirement plan. Or the fourth option is that you can roll the money out into your own IRA or Roth IRA. So I'm going to take a break here, go to commercial, because what I want to do is pick up and talk about how the pensions work, because the distribution of a pension actually works the same way as far as what your choices are. So we're gonna move over to the pensions next, and then we'll elaborate and go back to this particular slide that talks about your four options with the plan. So stick around, come back in a minute or two, and you know, look for your commercial break, and I will see you in a, in a couple minutes. Why buy local? When you shop with local businesses, you're spending your money on more than just the item you're buying. You're adding a building block to your neighborhood. It starts with a single purchase, maybe a cup of coffee, groceries from a local co-op, or even a shiny new bicycle from one of the nearly 28 million small businesses nationwide. Your money doesn't stay in the till for long, though. Local business owners use the money to create a lot of economic activity in your neighborhood, like buying from suppliers, many of whom are also local businesses paying taxes to the city, which builds and maintains the infrastructure we all rely on, employing local workers, contributing to 65% of the net new jobs each year. Add this all together and you've got a recipe for a happier, healthier, more connected neighborhood. Now that's an investment worth making.
Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained with your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner. Uh, so the first half of this segment before break, we were then getting to the point of what are your choices and what are your options for uh, once you decide that you're going to leave the company and move your money out of the 401k. So those options, again, is you can uh, take the money as cash, you can um, leave the money in the existing plan, you can roll the money into your new plan, or you can roll the money into your own IRA or Roth IRA. We're going to touch upon that in a little bit when we talk after we talk about pensions. So the pension plan, how do they work? Well, a pension plan, as I indicated before, is a defined benefit plan. By rule, the benefit is, design, is defined. So how do they define the benefit? Well, excuse me, what they do is it's a formula. They take the number of years that you've worked, so if if you've worked for the company for 20 years, times a percentage that they use in their formula, and let's say it's 2%, and then they multiply it by your final average salary. So in the case of, let's say, uh, the Pennsylvania retirement system, Okay, I'll use that because there's a lot of teachers, uh, the people who work for PennDOT and the state workers, they all work basically under the same pension for the most part. So what happens there with them is that all throughout their career working, they're contributing 7.5%, although there's a new plan out there. So what happens here is, and this is under the old plan, so these are the rules. Let's just use it as an example. If someone was working for 20 years, they take the number of years they've worked and they multiply it by 2.5%. So two. 20 years times two and a half is 50% of their final average salary. In the case, their case, what they do is they take the average of the three highest consecutive years, which typically is the last three years of them working. So if a teacher is working and, and making $80,000 a year, they work 20 years at two and a half percent, guess what? They're going to be getting a pension that is 20 times two and a half is 50. They're going to be getting 50% of their $80,000, which is a benefit of $40,000 a year. I will have you know, and I'm not going to get into too much detail, but that's the gross pension that allows the individual to take that for the rest of their life. However, they're also granted options or choices that they could take a reduced benefit and by the way, this is all pensions, not just the state. So all pensions work the same way. I just used that as an example. So you're given the option that you can just take it for yourself, and if you die three months later, pff, the money's gone, or you can then say, well, I would like to take the pension, and if I die, I want to leave 100% to my spouse, which means it's going to reduce it. Or it could be, if I die, I leave 50% to my spouse, and it's also going to be reduced. And there's calculations that are based upon not only your life expectancy, but they look for the age and the gender of your spouse. Okay? So oftentimes, as I indicated in the first segment, is companies are getting out of the pension business. Very simple is that they have no idea what the duration and life expectancy of the people are going to be, which means they're put into the position of having to fund it for an unknown period of time. 
You know, these are actuarial calculations. But if the company is responsible for making that payment, I can assure you they're getting out of the pension business. In fact, I'll go one step further. To get out of that liability, what a lot of companies are doing is saying, hey, look, you know what? Instead of us paying you, in that case, the $40,000 a year, even though it doesn't add up to be, let's say it's $4,000 a month. Okay, so a $4,000 a month, the company might say, wait a minute, you know, we're going to give you the opportunity of taking it as a lump sum benefit. Okay, well, how does a lump sum benefit work? Well, instead of my getting $4,000 a month for the rest of my life, starting at age 65, they'll give me a chunk of money. Well, how much money do they give you? Well, okay, here's what comes into play. So what they do is they do a calculation. They say, okay, 65-year-old male, believe it or not, the average 65-year-old lives well into their 80s. Okay, even though life expectancy is younger than that, taking a 65-year-old person eliminates all of the younger deaths. But anyway, from an actuarial calculation, let's assume that it's age 83. So what they do is they say, all right, how much money do we need to put into an account to pay somebody $4,000 a month for 18 years until they turn age 83. So fine, they figure that number out. Well, let's break that down even a little bit further because one thing to consider is what's the corresponding interest rate? Well, heck, if the interest rate, and I'm gonna exaggerate the point, if the interest rate is 100%, then they only need to put enough money in the plan to pay you for one year. Why? Because every year the money is doubling and continues to pay you out. So in other words, that plan would only need to have a lump sum of $48,000 to spit out $4,000 a month because of the fact that at 100% growth rate, guess what? It'll keep propagating itself. On the other end of the spectrum, what if the interest rates were 0%? That means they would have to have enough money in that plan to provide $4,000 a month times 12 months times 18 years, which I didn't do the math, but I'm going to tell you, that's a lot of money, okay? And that's several hundred thousand dollars. Well, so what they do is they use a formula that's based upon what the current interest rate is. So the current interest rate, okay, what's the current interest rate? Well, the current interest rate environment is basically the lowest it has ever been, right? So if it is the lowest it's ever been, then the amount of money that they would provide as a lump sum distribution is the most it would probably ever be. The moral of that story is, if you're planning on taking a contribution, I'm sorry, a distribution from your pension and you want it to be the maximum amount possible, well, now is the time to take it. Now, of course, what you want to do is determine, do I take a monthly benefit or do I take the pension? Well, a lot of that is really going to come down to what is my health, okay? What is my health and what is the health of my spouse? And Therefore, there's a lot of different things that are going to come into play. Again, uh, what, what is your life expectancy? Uh, what is your marital status? Okay, are you married? Are you not married? Because then you take into account the health of your spouse. 
So if my health is not that great, and let's say I was planning on taking the pension as a distribution, my health isn't that great, but my spouse's health is just absolutely fantastic, then what I might want to do is take and have, take the pension so that 100% goes to my spouse. Because if my life expectancy is low, then I would want her to have the maximum possible amount. And on the flip side, why would I take a um, distribution? Well, what if I wanted to control of the assets? For instance, instead of my having $4,000 a month, I can be given half a million dollars as a lump sum benefit. Let me tell you what that does for you. What that does for you is it gives you the ability to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take that half a million dollars, and instead of distributing myself $4,000 a month, this month I might only need $2,000, but the next month I might need $7,000. What it does is it gives you the control over your assets. Okay. The other thing it does is, as I indicated before, if I was single and I was taking a single pension at $4,000 a month that's otherwise worth $500,000, Guess what? If I die three months later, it's gone. Okay, there goes that $500,000, that half a million dollar benefit that could otherwise be left for beneficiaries. So a lot of people would prefer to actually take the pension as a lump sum because of those two main reasons, because it gives them control over the assets to be able to invest it the way they want to invest it, to be able to take as much or as little money out of it as possible, as well as it enables them to be able to pass it on to non-spouse beneficiaries, particularly if either I was single and wanted to make sure I left it for my children or other beneficiaries, or if I and my spouse were both in poor health. So let's go back to earlier and talk again about the four possible distribution options that you have. You could take the money as cash. Okay, what happens here? If you take the money as cash, the entire amount is taxable. Okay, it's taxable as ordinary income. And oh, by the way, if it's a big number, then guess what? You're going to be driving yourself into a significantly higher income tax bracket just by taking it. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you happen to be under the age of 59 and a half, then you are subject to a 10% penalty for taking it out prior to the federal government's um, decision as to what retirement age is going to be. Basically, anything under 59 and a half, you're subject to a 10% penalty. The other thing that happens is that by rule, the plan is required to withhold 20% uh, in taxes. So if for some reason I took $100,000 out, but I intended to roll it into a 401k, or I'm sorry, into my own IRA or my new 401k or what have you, and that $100,000, they're required to withhold 20% for taxes, I'm getting a check for 80 grand. Now, I'm allowed within 60 days to take that money and move it into a retirement plan, whether it be my new 401k or my IRA. But guess what? If they distributed $100,000 and withheld 20, that means I've got to come up with the other $20,000 to roll over or else I'm subject to taxation on that $20,000. Generally speaking, not a good idea.
okay? So the other thing that you could do is you could roll it, I'm sorry, leave it in the plan, okay? So if you leave the money in the plan, okay, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan because of the fact that you leave the money in the plan and you only have the investment options that are available there. I'm a bigger fan of rather than leaving it in the plan, move it into your new plan. When you move it into your new plan, at least instead of having two accounts, you got one. Okay, now, if the new plan is a 401k, then you may actually have the ability to take a loan against it. I'm not always a proponent of taking a loan from a 401k, but there are times that it makes sense. Your last option is to take it and roll it over to an IRA. And I am a huge fan of doing that because what that allows you to do is it allows you to control the investment of the assets. Plus, because of the fact that we are in a very low interest, uh, low tax environment, it gives you the ability to not only control the assets, but now if you wanted to take a distribution and convert it to a Roth IRA and pay the taxes at today's rate, you could do that without a penalty and you're taking advantage of the taxes. I am a big fan of that. Furthermore, you have more investment options available to you and if you needed or wanted to use an investment expert, then you can have someone who is also able to provide you with guidance, but no matter how you shake it, you have a whole lot more investment options available to you. So that basically concludes today's episode, but this is something that comes up with a lot of people, um, you know, particularly with COVID, how many people lost their jobs? And a lot of people are wondering, what do I do with my 401k? or people losing jobs for whatever reason, you know, there are a lot of choices that you have at your fingertips. And so remember, you have a ton of choices and I would strongly encourage that not only for your 401k, but if you have an old pension, ask about it again, because it may be that you had to wait until 65. They may now have opened the door for you to take it in the form of a lump sum distribution. And like I said earlier, now's the time to do it because in today's low interest rate environments, that lump sum distribution amount is probably at its greatest. So I hope some that everyone learned something today. And thank you again for tuning in to Financial Planning Explained. Once again, my name is Mike Menninger, and I'm a certified financial planner and the host of your show. Thank you very much, and I will see you next week.